that he lives, okay? And uh, that separates Christianity from every other religion. Jesus Christ is alive and living. He's God. And uh, we saw this morning as we looked at Joshua chapter 5, even in the Old Testament, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of the hosts of the Lord. Uh, here tonight, Joshua chapter 5, uh, I, I want to go to the first part of the chapter, so if you're able and uh, would stand with us as we read a portion of God's word here, Joshua uh, chapter number 5. Uh, salvation is a precious, wonderful gift, and uh, the gift of salvation, what salvation does in a heart, uh, true salvation changes a life, and um, don't ever forget, uh, if you uh, have been saved from whence you've come, uh, don't ever forget, uh, you have been quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, uh, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, he says, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh. Uh, but then it goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. and uh, But God changed everything, didn't it? And salvation changes everything in life. In uh, the, God, or the book of Joshua, chapter 5, I, I want to begin here at verse number 1, Joshua chapter 5, and verse number 1, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. But the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. And to whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead them Joshua circumcised for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you, wherefore the name of the place was, is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day uh, of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. 
Now, what we, what we have here, the, the children of Israel have crossed the Jordan River. Uh, they have entered into the, into the promised land. And uh, now they are, are being prepared to go forth and to conquer that land. And what I want to examine tonight is just uh, relating this to salvation and to the workings of salvation. And uh, salvation changes a life. When one meets Jesus Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So many beautiful pictures that are given of salvation in this passage of Scripture. And uh, we're just going to kind of randomly pull out uh, a few thoughts that hopefully tonight can be an encouragement and a blessing uh, if you know Jesus Christ as, as Savior. Uh, let's, uh, with that, go to the Lord in, in prayer. And uh, we need His help tonight. Let's take uh, just a moment to, to yield and to allow Him to have His way in our hearts. Father, I thank You. You're so good to us. Just been a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, I thank you that you live. And Lord, because you live, we have hope for tomorrow. And because you live, uh, Lord, we need not fear or worry what happens in our world today. Lord, because you live, you are in control. Because you live, you have all power, all authority. Lord, I thank you for the precious gift of salvation. Lord, I thank you for all that it entails. Not only have we been saved, but we're being saved. And then there is that future glory that we look forward to. Help us tonight. I pray you would be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated this evening. And again, I want to relate the promised land and the entry into the promised land as to a beautiful picture tonight of salvation. And just by way of, of introduction before we look at some random thoughts here tonight, you know, salvation, when we speak of salvation, there's, there's the past salvation when we come to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we, we sang tonight uh, the security of that salvation. But then there is the present salvation when we receive the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, uh, we're being transformed. Uh, we're, we're being molded to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there is the future salvation. There's the glorification that we will receive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the promised land, in the picture of the promised land, there's a, there's a beautiful picture of all three of these. Uh, in salvation or in the promised land... Uh, a picture of entering into salvation. The children of Israel crossed the Jordan River. They've entered into the promised land. And uh, that's uh, really a beautiful picture of entering into the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when we enter into Christ, we cease from our own works. We enter into the rest of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, really, he, he becomes our, our, um, uh, our, our peace. He's our, uh, he's our Passover lamb. He's... Um, uh, he's, he did it all. He paid the price. And we enter into the rest of Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 4, in verses 9 and 10, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Uh, he says, For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. And uh, when we enter into salvation, it's by his grace that we're saved through faith. That's not of ourself. It's the gift of God. And uh, we, we cease from our own works to get us to salvation. It's the gift of God. 
And uh, for many of us, I know I, I had religion. I shared testimony yesterday and got to, to share the gospel with several different, uh, uh, different uh, families and situations yesterday. But uh, just giving the testimony, I, I was raised in church and I knew about God. And I was baptized in the fourth grade, but I was lost. And had I died, I would have split hell wide open. And the problem was I, I was trying to add uh, to what Jesus did upon the cross. And I thought it was Jesus plus my goodness and my efforts. And if my good could outweigh my bad, uh, that I could make it to heaven. But uh, coming to realize that I couldn't help Jesus out. Uh, he had already paid the full price. And when I came to Christ, I entered into his rest. And when we enter into Christ, it, it's a picture here. We cross the Jordan River and uh, the old has passed away. And behold, all things are made new. We, we enter into a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verily, verily, I say unto thee, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And we pass from hell and damnation uh, to the eternal gift of life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians 1 verse number 6 tells us he has made us accepted in the beloved. And so I see a picture of that salvation and that working of salvation and entering into the new life, uh, passing from the old. But there's also a picture in the promised land that, uh, that gives a picture of sanctification. And uh, don't misunderstand. When, when you enter into Christ, you're secure. We sang about that tonight. And uh, the, the Bible speaks of eternal life that uh, you'll never have condemnation, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And the Bible teaches very clear the security. But I do believe when we come to Christ, that's only the beginning. Okay, there's the work of sanctification. There's the process of salvation. Now, again, there's the past work of salvation. When you come and enter into Christ, you're secure. But there's a process, we might say, whereby we are being saved. Uh, we're being sanctified. Uh, when we receive Christ, we're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We're secure, but now we enter into Christ. And just as the children of Israel crossed into the promised land, there were inhabitants in that land. And those inhabitants had to be defeated, cities to conquer. When you got saved, you were like me. You had some old habits, some worldly amusements, and some selfish living. There were some battles that needed to be fought. Some things may change easily. I look and there were some things that the Lord took away from me almost immediately. I remember one of them was a, a temper. The Lord really helped. But there were some other things that uh, took a little bit of time. I was just thinking about uh, some of the music that used to control my life when, when the Lord really began to deal with me. And there was some music that really wasn't honoring to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and God began to convict me and it was just a process as the Lord began to teach me about uh, godly music and began to teach me about the type of music that I ought to listen to and uh, then beginning to yield unto the Lord. And I, I look back and I, I try not to forget from whence I've come 
because that didn't happen overnight. That was just kind of a process by which God was working in my life. I, I told the story in uh, Brother Salcedo, and uh, did, I told this story at his funeral. He, he told me this. He, he was just giving testimony of what God did. When Brother Salcedo got, got saved, he was a chain smoker. And uh, he would not mind me telling this because he told the story uh, many times. And he was a chain smoker. And, and uh, the Lord began to convict him of that. And he knew that that was wrong. And he would tell the story. He would uh, pull up to a gas station, go in and buy a pack of cigarettes. And uh, he would start smoking, come under conviction. And he would go down the road and throw that pack of cigarettes out the window. And he would come just a mile or so down the road and stop by another convenience store, get another pack of cigarettes under conviction, throw it out the door. He said he would just go through that and, and uh, that, that process. And it was a battle as God was uh, just helping him and uh, really uh, many times memorizing scripture and, and uh, uh, sharing and, and really being humble uh, even before others and having an accountability in your life and uh, just to hear the story as to how God then brought deliverance in his life. And, and I, I believe this is salvation. It's that process by which God changes our life. Uh, the blessing is we, we don't fight those battles alone. And as we saw this morning, we have a captain of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is with us. And his sword is drawn. And uh, it's a war. It's a battle, brothers and sisters. And we're in a war. And uh, in this battle... Uh, we have a Savior that goes before us, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the casting down of strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we wrestle uh, with our flesh, uh, we grow and uh, with thoughts and our fears and uh, bringing them under the captivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's this picture of the promised land as the children of Israel entered into the promised land. Uh, there's that conquering. There's that sanctification process that has to take place in the promised land. But then the promised land is, is also a beautiful picture of our future victory. Right now, in this sense, we're in the wilderness of this life. As we journey through this life, we're headed towards eternity. One day, we'll all cross the Jordan River enter into our heavenly home. One day we'll lay the burdens down. One day we'll enter into that land of rest and that land of milk and honey in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that day we'll receive the glorified body. Uh, won't that be precious? Uh, no more sin, uh, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death as we enter into that heavenly promised land, that heavenly home, that eternal home where we're given that eternal inheritance and that's such a beautiful picture that God gives to us. So I, I see in this promised land there's the picture of the old passing away and entering into Christ, into the new and then there's this picture of the sanctification process that happens in salvation and there's also this beautiful picture of that glorification when we enter into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I give all of that just kind of as a background. I want to randomly here tonight pull from this chapter really some thoughts about the workings of salvation and just some of the things that take place when we come to Christ. Uh, salvation is precious. 
It's a beautiful thing. Uh, once I was lost. I was on the road to hell. But now I'm found. I have a heavenly home. And as I journey through this life, I have a Savior that goes before me. And there's some beautiful things here that, that I, I just want to take and maybe give us some encouragement tonight in this work in Oxalvage. I want you to look at verse number one and just a thought here. You see, in salvation, there's really a change of ownership. And I believe that in salvation, God's fear uh, comes upon us in a sense. And I'll just explain uh, this as we go through this. Verse number one, it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord dried up the waters of Jordan before the children of Israel. Can you imagine as that news began to spread through Canaan land? And uh, just imagine that uh, I, I know that from this, there had to have been some of the Canaanites that saw what God did. And uh, they must have witnessed that miracle as the, as the Jordan River uh, is beginning to pile up on itself. And it's no longer flowing. and That makes no sense. It, it was a miracle. No explanation for it other than God did. It's not something that you see in nature. It's just that water uh, piles up and there was no dam there. It was God that, uh, that did that. And, and they would witness this, the children of Israel would come forth on, on dry land. And that story then would spread through Canaan land. And the Bible tells us as that happened, it says until we were passed over, in verse number one, their heart melted. Neither was there a spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. In the book of Exodus chapter 23 and verse number 27, I mentioned that this morning that uh, as they left uh, the land of Egypt, God said that he would send his fear before thee. And that's exactly what God did as they entered into this land. Now, you know, when we get saved, the Lord comes into our heart, comes into our life. His presence is with you. You know that that presence. If I and I, I don't want to mean trite with this, but can I just say that 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 presence changes ownership and brings the fear of the Lord in this sense on the enemy. Uh, Satan had to relinquish ownership when Christ entered your heart. You know, as we walk in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we're no longer under the control of Satan as we once were. Uh, he has to give deference to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think there's an illustration of this in the, in the book of Job. And, and Job was a godly man. Uh, he was a man that loved the Lord. He's a man that knew the Lord. And you know the story of all that came into Job's life and the difficulties that Job would face. And uh, he faced so much more than any of us have ever faced or probably will ever have to face and go through. One thing in that account of Job that becomes very clear to me is that uh, Satan could not do anything to Job except what God allowed him to do. And even then, that limit was set. There was a boundary that was set. When you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, please understand this, that you belong to the Lord. And his hedge is about you. He never promised that everything was going to be perfect, but what I can tell you is this. He has promised that there's nothing that can come to you except he allows it. I believe that Satan fears when God's children get on their knees to pray. 
I believe there's a spiritual war, there's a spiritual battle, there are enemies to be conquered. And here the enemy uh, feared and melted whenever uh, the, the children of Israel, just the story of what God had done. The Bible tells us that in the book of Revelation we have an accuser. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. And the Bible tells us they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And there's power in the word of your testimony. Uh, there's power in that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's power in the blood of the Lamb. And let me express this. Don't ever be ashamed to tell the story as to what Jesus did for you. Don't ever be ashamed to tell the story how you were lost and you were blind, but now you see how the Lord opened the eyes. And I believe there's great power and victory in just giving the testimony you now belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been delivered from the enemy. And I believe here's a beautiful picture of that in this sense. Now there's something, and we alluded to this this morning just, just briefly, but in salvation... There's also a change of hearts. In salvation, God's power is at work. You're not saved by your own power. You're saved by the power of God, by the victory that God gives. Now, Joshua chapter 5, verse number 2, and all the way through verse number 8, he speaks of, of circumcision, but in verse number 2, at that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel uh, the second time. Uh, I, again, I, I want you, we did this this morning, but I, again, I want you to go back to Genesis 17. Genesis 17, just, just in passing, I want to make a statement, and this is really what I was going to preach on tonight, but we changed directions here. In Genesis 17, as the Lord gives to Abraham this covenant that would be pictured by circumcision. The Lord said in verse 7 to Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Uh, I was going to deal with tonight, we've been preaching on Israel, and I was going to deal with um, who owns the land? Who owns Canaan land? Well, God gave this to Abraham and to his seed as an everlasting possession. And you'll hear a lot of uh, talk, and I'm, I'm just, this is not the message tonight, this is all free here tonight. You'll hear a lot of talk about a two-state solution and Palestine and Israel, and you're going to hear a lot of talk taking place about that today. But I would say based upon the Word of God, who owns the land? And it's very clear in the Word of God that that land belongs to Israel and to the seed of God's people. It's an everlasting covenant that God has given. So we'll preach that in the future, just kind of give you a heads up about that. There are many promises that deal with this, but in this covenant or in this picture of circumcision, uh, here is that promise of that land as an everlasting inheritance. I think that was very important as the children of Israel uh, then enter into the land, and uh, now Joshua is commanded by the Lord to again uh, circumcise the male that uh, through that time in the wilderness had gone without that circumcision. The generation coming out of Egypt has passed away. There's a new generation now 
And so to uh, follow this uh, uh, statement to Abraham, they're, they're claiming the land. And in that circumcision, it's this reminder of this everlasting covenant that God had with this nation. But we pointed out this morning, and, and I, I want to go back here to Joshua chapter 5 and verse number 2. We pointed out this morning this statement, uh, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And I, and I see in that, as we looked at Romans chapter uh, 2, verses 28 and 29, uh, where it speaks of the new covenant, and it speaks of that new covenant as being a circumcision of the heart. And that's what salvation is. It's, it's a change of heart. It's a circumcision of the heart. Uh, the old covenant of the flesh could not change the life. Uh, the old covenant could give the law of God. The old covenant could tell us what was right. The old covenant uh, could reveal sin. Now uh, we know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the, the old covenant revealed the sin nature. And as you look at the, the law, uh, the law revealed that man needs a savior. The new covenant had the ability to change the heart. And that's what salvation does. It, it gives a new heart. And it gives the ability by the grace of God to do what the flesh could not do. Uh, to do uh, because the flesh is weak and uh, the flesh is sinful. But the new covenant changes the heart and molds man into the image of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Salvation changes the life. And salvation can help you to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And salvation can bring a new love for the Word of God. And salvation can bring a love for His people. Now, we have in the Old Testament the story of Lot, and it's very clear, I believe Lot was saved. He's a saved man. We read about that in Peter. I believe Lot is in heaven. Now, Lot, we know the story, though a saved man, went into Sodom. And there in Sodom, he lost his testimony, lost the joy of salvation, lost the blessings of salvation, never lost salvation. Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the world. That's what salvation does. It changes the life. And one that is truly saved can't live in the world and be happy about it because the Lord has changed the life. And Lot was like a lamb living in a pig pen. And a lamb hates the mud. Uh, Lot was a lamb. He had a lamb's heart. He had a saved heart. He was vexed by that conversation. And, uh, you know, it, uh, you can dress a pig up and uh, put new clothes on a pig and put a bow tie on a pig and uh, you can put the pig in the lamb's pen and the pig's not going to be happy. But uh, you open the door and that pig's going to run to the mud puddle. Uh, Why? Well, he's got a pig heart. But salvation circumcises the heart. It gives you a lamb's heart. It changes the life. Circumcision here represented that wholehearted commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in salvation, there's a power that changes a life. Now go back with me again to Joshua chapter 5. There's something else that I see. See, in salvation, there's a, a change of purpose. And God wipes away the reproach of the past. Again, look in verse number 9. We, we mentioned this this morning just briefly. 
And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off the people. Wherefore the name of the place is called Gildal unto this day. Now, in Egypt, we were slaves to Pharaoh. In Egypt, slaves to the flesh. In Egypt, the children of Israel cried and sighed by the reason of the bondage. And they cried under that bondage of sin. And that's a picture of a lost man, you and the quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. In Egypt, in the lost estate, there was a reproach. In Egypt, they labored for Pharaoh. In Egypt, they labored for the world. But when God delivered them out of Egypt and now he brings them into the promised land, he's wiping away that reproach. He's delivered them from the world and from the reproach of the world. And I was thinking about the life of Saul and when Saul met the Lord on the, the road to Damascus and uh, the Lord said, How, uh, you, you kick against the pricks and Saul, you're, you're going against me and uh, here's, here's Saul in that lost estate and and Saul had to later, as he came to know Christ, said, What things were gained to me, those I counted but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, Saul uh, later would say in the book of Philippians, the, the things which are behind, I forget those things which are behind, and I, I reach forth to those things which are ahead. And here's what's happening. The children of Israel have entered into the promised land, and, and that's what happens in salvation. Uh, the past, uh, we put that behind, and I don't care where you've been and what you've done and how far away from God that you've come. When you come to Christ that's washed, it's under the blood, it's forgiven. The reproach is wiped away. There's a new beginning in Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Can you imagine Saul who became Paul? There's no doubt often as he would go to cities and villages different locations, he would face families that probably he had been involved in the murder or the imprisonment of maybe a father. He was there when Stephen was stoned. There had to have been a reproach that Paul would face in various places. Just that thought of his past. But isn't it a blessing that the past can be under the blood? that it can be forgiven, that it can be wiped away, that it can be blotted out because of what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to live in that past any longer because now the Lord's got a purpose for us and a new beginning and a new direction. I see that as a beautiful picture in salvation. Verse number 10 of Joshua chapter 5. We read here about this picture of salvation. Again, we spoke of this briefly this morning. The children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Now, uh, the Lord always, he's in order in everything that he does because in the book of Exodus, uh, when he instituted the Passover with the children of Israel, it was for those that had been circumcised. So before they observed the Passover here in the promised land, there had to be the circumcision so that they could observe the Passover. And so here at the Passover, they observed it as they left Egypt. 
And now they observe it as they enter Canaan land. This memorial is a memorial of the deliverance that God gave to them. And when the Lord instituted that, it was to be a yearly time. And it was to be on the 10th day of the first month of the year. This is why it was just short of 40 days that God brought them across the Jordan River. And uh, from the time they leave, they observe the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. In fact, uh, if you want to go there uh, to Exodus chapter 12, we'll, we'll read just a few verses. Uh, but uh, then uh, almost 40 years, just shy, about five days shy of, uh, of that 40 years, God brought them across the Jordan. And now uh, in this time frame, they observe the Passover as a picture of their deliverance. Look in Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 3. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, this is in the land of Egypt, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall, uh, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Why? It had to represent the holy lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, without sin. A male of the first year, you shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. In verse number seven, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And then we skip on to verse number 11. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it in a feast unto the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance, he says, forever. We go to verse number 29. In verse number 29, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt and the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat upon the throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants and all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses, Aaron by night, said, Rise up and get you forth among the people, both ye and your children of it, or the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. Uh, what a miracle that God worked. And, and you'll see the emphasis upon the blood. And the lamb was slain. And the blood was applied to the doorposts of the house. And uh, the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. As the wrath of God was poured upon that land where the blood had been exposed. And where the blood was present. Uh, God passed over. And my friend, here's the picture. When you have Jesus Christ, the blood has been applied. And one day the wrath of God is going to be poured upon this world. But where the blood has been applied, the Lord passes over. That's God's marvelous grace. What a beautiful picture that is given in salvation. 
as the children of Israel entered into the promised land, they give this picture, and it was then to be a yearly memorial, a yearly reminder. By the way, the Lord's Supper was given as a memorial, as a reminder, as a picture of what Jesus did for us. And this do, he said, in remembrance of me. We give that testimony of the blood applied to our hearts. And here as a church, we'll observe that uh, the Tuesday before Easter for the membership of Valley Bible Baptist Church. Now go with me, Joshua chapter 5. Got to move. Boy, time got away from me. Joshua 5, verse number 11. God's provision in our salvation. Here the Bible says they did eat the old corn of the land of the morrow after the Passover. Eleven cakes, parched corn of the same day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And manna was a wonderful blessing to them when they needed it. It was a miracle food provided my God from heaven. Beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, our manna from heaven. It's a beautiful picture of the word of God as God provided that food in the wilderness. But as they entered the promised land, uh, they discovered God's provision. I, I kind of get a picture here. The Bible tells us that they ate the fruit of the land. And I'm just wondering, as the children of Israel came across the Jordan River, it's almost as if the Canaanites fled from that region. They left their granaries and their barns and their fields. And uh, there was ample provision uh, as the children of Israel found this grain, found ample supply no longer would they need the manna. They were well provided for. And I would just say to you tonight that God is a wise father who knows the needs of his children and supplies the needs of his children. That's the picture that's given. One last picture. Let's read verses 13 through 15. Now, we preached on this this morning, so I'm just going to briefly pass through this. And we'll speak of God's presence in our salvation. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn. We said this is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Here's the beautiful thing. If God be for you, who can be against you? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. As we war to conquer the land uh, and become all God wants us to be and to be fruitful and victorious in the Christian life, we have a captain of our salvation. And the hosts of heaven are on your side as you've entered into the Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy is strong and the walled cities and the giants that don't easily fall. Uh, we mentioned the weapons of our warfare. They're not, not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the Lord desires, he not only desires to save, he says, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have and that more abundantly. I believe it's the will of God for his children to have the abundant, fruitful, victorious Christian life that's pictured by the promised land. But the fact is, you can't do that on your own. You can't win the battle on your own. On your own, you will fall. Your flesh will fail. But you have a captain, the captain of your salvation. 
that goes before you. And as you yield unto him and walk with him, oh, what a victory that God is able to give. So again, to sum it up, there's the past work of salvation. After that, you have trusted, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit to promise you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're secure in Christ. There's that present work of sanctification that's taking place now in your life as you're journeying towards heaven. And you're conquering the promised land. You're defeating the Canaanites, the flesh of your life. And there's the future glorification when Jesus comes for his own. And the dead in Christ will rise. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Let's bow our heads.